No pajamas, no ripped up jeans, no t-shirts with hateful messages. Those are just a few entries in a fairly typical dress code that you would find in schools across the country, and it might seem like a relatively inconsequential part of education. But one school district in Washington state is getting blasted for what's being described as a dress code that is unfair and even sexist, especially for female students. I'm Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises, and in this episode of Behind the Headlines, our host Terry Barr is talking with Sydney Brown, an education reporter for the Daily News in Longview, Washington. Sydney's coverage has been examining the inconsistent application of these dress codes across the district there, and some parents say that it's leading to legitimate disruptions in their children's education. We'll have links to Sydney's articles for the Daily News in our show notes, so look for those there. And now, after this quick break, here's Terry with Sydney. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, Sydney is here with me. And the idea and issue surrounding dress codes at schools, you know, Sydney, I guess it isn't new, but um, your coverage certainly got attention for this. Tell us what you found while you were working on this story about dress codes where you are. Yeah, so in Longview, we're a pretty uh, mid-sized town, and there are two main in-person high schools here in Longview. There's R.A. Long High School, and there's Mark Morris High School. And what was brought to our attention is that there were a few parents, mostly moms with their daughters, who protested the schools. They picketed outside of R.A. Long High School because of what they say is a sexist dress code, a dress code that is not being consistently enforced and tends to target feminine clothes and tends to affect the students' education if they're being pulled out of out of class to, you know, change their outfits or or have to contact the parents or anything like that. So that was the main story there. Yeah, that's very disruptive, I would think, for the students. And you're saying that parents actually got involved in this and picketed outside the school. I mean, you you don't hear of that a lot. What what was their reaction when you showed up and said, I need to talk to you guys about this? Yeah, well, they wanted to talk about it. That's, of course, why they picketed. They wanted to bring attention to that issue. They said that after they had picketed, they had a conversation with the school district. They weren't super detailed about exactly what went on in that conversation that they had. But between the parents and the school district, they definitely felt at least heard. And you're right, you know, it it can be really disruptive to go to class and trying to further your education, but then be pulled out. And there was one specific student who's a sophomore in high school who she talked to the school board at the school board meeting where she said that she, since the start of the school year, which at the time had only been uh, in session for about two weeks, in that time she had been dress coded, pulled out of class four separate times. And that's what she felt frustrated about and trying to explain to the school district that maybe the policies are written very similarly, but they aren't being enforced similarly. 
Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So this one girl that you mentioned four times in the course of a couple of weeks, she gets pulled out of class because of the way she's dressed. What is the example here? And this sounds like she's probably the best example. What was she wearing? Do you know what caused such a problem? Well, I didn't see any any photos of the outfits that she was wearing when she was pulled out of class. But during the school board meeting, she was wearing a long sleeved T-shirt that had maybe kind of come down a little bit on the shoulders and you could see her visible bra strap and wearing jeans. And she said that if she went to Ari Long right now, that she would still be dress coded for that. And what she was saying is that why do my bra straps need to be under the jurisdiction of the school? And why is it such a problem that I have bra straps? I mean, I'm wearing a bra. It's, it doesn't have to be what she said was being kind of sexualized for something that is just an undergarment that most, most women wear. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. And again, we're saying that this is a girl that was being singled out. Now, does it seem like it's almost always girls and you kind of mentioned it, is that a bit sexist and and really kind of unfair? Yeah. So again, I, I don't think that there was any intention to specifically target girls, but in the RA Long School District policy that I read through, But compared to the Mark Morris High School, they definitely go into more detail about shirts that are generally marketed and sold to teenage girls. And they are very specific about no strapless, no crop tops, no spaghetti straps, no low cut shirts, no visible undergarments. Whereas the Mark Morris High School, it just says no excessive midriff. And so that could also be confusing sometimes because how do you how do you determine what excessive is? So it's not like either one is written perfectly, but the parents said when you are targeting these specific kinds of shirts, it can actually make it really hard to buy clothes for your teenage daughter because that's what's popular now. Wearing a a crop top, wearing spaghetti straps, especially in the summer months when it gets really hot, that can make it hard on parents to buy clothes for their kids. And what they were saying is that it really... It might not be about the language used, but there should be consistency. And that's why they're asking the school district to have a district-wide policy, one that is blanketed and can make it easier to enforce it because there isn't the those uh, little minor language changes. Yeah, the minutia between the two. I think I was reading in your story that um, the one school basically says, no pajamas, which kind of made me laugh, Um, no ripped jeans, shorts, or shirts with any bad hate speech or anything like that. That all makes sense. It's just interesting that the one school then takes it that much further. Yeah. And again, that's what the parents were saying is that mm-hmm. no one wants to not have a dress code. No, none of the parents are advocating for that. They want there to be those kinds of policies. And both schools do specify no illegal activity or hate speech. No, as you mentioned, no pajamas. Um, again, there's like a little bit of a language change, like the Mark Morris High School, they allow hats and R.A. Long doesn't allow hats. So not everything in that policy is being thought of as sexist because a lot of this is pretty gender neutral. But yeah, exactly what they were saying is that, well, when you go into this much detail, 
you're focusing so much on the clothes that these girls are wearing and you're not allowing them to continue their education and for the girls it can definitely come across that teachers are maybe looking at them in more of a sexualized way and that's what makes them uncomfortable because they don't feel that it's a male teacher specifically any teachers but they don't feel like it's a male administrators or teachers duty to be policing whether a bra strap is shown that makes the girls uncomfortable we are going behind the headlines with Sydney Brown, and Sydney is an education reporter for the Daily News. We're talking about dress codes, and in particular, the schools that she covers on her beat. I just find it so interesting that the parents really did get involved. And of course, the story, as we've mentioned, received so much reaction. But now what? Where does it go from here, Sydney? Yeah, so... Um... This happened back in September. The protest happened back in September. And last week, I reached out to the school administrator and asked whether there had been any updates. Um, have there been any talks about what to do about this, how to go about making a district-wide policy, or maybe changing some of the enforcement tactics, talking to the school teams and just saying, hey, we, we got to make sure that we are doing this in a consistent way. And he said, there's no additional information at this time. So, and it hasn't been brought up on any of the school board agendas. There haven't been a lot of public comment beyond what happened back in September. The parents did get involved and, and they said it will probably be a very long time to establish a statewide policy in the Washington state legislature. So at the time, we just feel like it's better to have a district-wide policy, yeah. but the district is a little bit hesitant to do that. They don't want to put their hands in school business because what the school district administrators told me is that, you know, these principals, they know their school better than we do. They, they're they there from the day-to-day -day operations. They, they understand the, the, their teachers and the staff that works there. So we want to leave it up to them. But at the same time, they're put in a position where they don't want students to feel uncomfortable. They don't want students to feel that they are being targeted. So as of right now, it's it's a little bit up in the air and there hasn't been a ton of movement, at least from the school board level. It's a fascinating issue. Really interesting to discuss with you. Thanks for your terrific reporting and for staying on it as well. Sydney, thank you so much for uh, talking with us. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Sydney also plans to follow up with the families who were demanding updates to the dress code, especially since, as you just heard, her recent call to the school district reveals that nothing has changed. And while Sydney's reporting was focused on a specific school district, it may be an example of what district officials are dealing with at other schools across the United States. Like I said before, you can find a link to the Daily News article in our show notes, as well as any links to follow-up articles or ways that you can keep tabs on Sydney's reporting. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Headlines. You can find us on every podcast platform, and we'd love it if you'd take a moment to subscribe and give us a review. Finally, if you appreciate what we're doing with this program, we encourage you to invest in local journalism by supporting the newspaper serving your community. I'm Chris Lay, and for Terry Barr and myself, thank you so much for listening to Behind the Headlines from Lee Enterprises.